Welcome to Building Wealthy Habits, a Tricord Advisors radio program. You will recognize Randy from Retirement Unlimited, a program that has aired on our station for over 15 years. Each week on Building Wealthy Habits, your hosts discuss life's hard financial questions relating to retirement, business ownership, and losing a spouse. Randy Barkley, Jeremiah Lee, and Laura Lee are CFP certified financial planners at Tricord Advisors, and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. If you have a topic you would like them to discuss on the air or would like to connect with them about your situation, visit their website, tricordadvisors.com or give them a call at 951-684-7011. Now, let's join the conversation on Building Wealthy Habits. Well, today we are talking about uh, retirement vision and retirement income. Uh, Not always the most thrilling, but I think it's, it's so significantly important to our clients. And it's the biggest one when people think about retirement. It's the biggest black box or biggest question mark they tend to have is what's what am I going to do if I stop working what money do I have where am I headed what am I doing mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of, of I call it low-hanging fruit but a lot of really good value um, as you walk through someone to help them help help them think through their vision and help them think mm-hmm. through what their income is going to look like because for most people it's not that they have a giant inherited account <laughs> and they just live off of it mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a mezzanine like multiple different streams of income that help build for them, what, what's going to be their future? Yeah, I think I think historically, going back to it, uh, we've had a major uh, groundswell, a major shift because of mortality. And my generation in particular, but also the generation before me, lived substantially longer than what the previous hundred years. I right. mean, we're, we're seeing this massive shift. And so saving for retirement really wasn't in vocabulary because people worked until they died. But now what we're seeing, and I think this statistic is uh, really resonates um, here. I know with our clients and what we see, but people are living on average 34 years into retirement. Um, Women have a tendency to outlive men a little bit, two to three years longer, but they're calling this um, kind of the longevity revolution. And there's a really great TED Talk for our listeners, if they have time, um, by Jane Fonda, and she calls it your third act. And I love it because what she does is prompt a, a vision setting opportunity for people. I think, um, you know, decades ago when people thought of retirement, you picture a rocking chair mm. on your front porch, maybe your reading well, again, most, book. Yeah, yeah most <laughs> but, people talk about retirement, they, you know, it's travel. It's the, right. probably the number one thing about right. travel, uh, family, grandchildren, things like that. Yeah. But retirement is is so much more. It right. is so much more than that. And right. that's part of the shift that we're seeing is that we're going from someone who, by the time they're retired, they're just done, right? If, I, if I'm done working, you know, say 100 years ago, 200 years ago, if, if I'm done, I, I really can't work anymore. Whereas now, people are retiring and they have 30 years potentially yeah. of, of life. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, you mentioned it before, it's this entire adult uh, lifetime. In yeah. essence, it's an opportunity. Have. You know, it could be that I think that at that point in life, they're looking more to create a legacy, pass on the information or the skills that they've, um, you know, uh, developed up until that point in their life. Um, for some, uh, they want a second career, maybe not one that's as focused on earning income, but maybe something they've always wanted to do work, uh, philanthropically or start a company that they've always wanted to. There's a lot of excitement around it. I think the whole aspect of staying employed with the same company forever is becoming less and less, um, 
warranted, I guess, maybe. Yeah. I think there's a lot of shifts going We're expected, on. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a good quick history lesson. I mean, th- this used to be, you know, go back, let's say 70 years or so, um, and you would work for a company, right? You'd work for that one same company and they would have, in essence, a, a pension that you would work towards mm-hmm. and you would work at that company until you retired. And then that company would have through their pension plan payments. That would be your income in retirement. Mm-hmm. And that shifted, you know, what year are we taking when the pensions started falling off? And the 401k. <laughs> well, before pensions, a lot of people started relying on social security. So if we really want to look back in history, let's start about well, talking about social security. Yeah. So pensions were pretty much non-existent during the industrial revolution. I mean, uh, the industrial barons, you know, they were able to labor was cheap. There was a lot of immigration. Uh, does that sound, you know, does that sound familiar with what we're going through right now? Mm-hmm. But this cheap labor and they were able to uh, from steel to cars to rails. I mean, they were able to use this labor to build their economy. When the Great Depression occurred, it became evident that there was no safety net. And so FDR passed uh, the Social Security uh, law. And uh, in the 30s, we had this Social Security. Mm-hmm. And so what it was, is it was set up as if you reached retirement and they set the age, it was kind of interesting because they set the age slightly beyond what the average mortality was. So mm. that's where we got 65 from. So 65 was most people, the majority of people didn't live beyond 65 back in the 30s. Wow. And they didn't put anything in the provisions to really adjust that because mm-hmm. they weren't, they didn't have the vision to see what was going to happen with medicine and lifestyle and all the other things that we've now seen a, a, mm-hmm. a massive explosion mm-hmm. in life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So the Social Security was never designed to make up 100% of the income needs. It was designed to be a supplement. Now, getting back to companies, companies became, as as the Industrial Revolution continued, they started to need Im- steady employees. So they started mm-hmm. to develop pensions. Employer benefits provided Correct. to their employees and, and of they course, would retain them. Yeah. And then as, as time goes by, you see all these adjustments. And in the 70s and the early 80s, the law allowed companies to withdraw their obligation and pensions. And they started the 401k, which is now the popular contribution for mm-hmm. most employees. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a big difference, though, between a pension and a 401k. There is. There is. And the responsibility, I think, is a big piece of that. Who, who's responsible for this person's retirement when it's in the the pension structure, the company has to make the investment choices. Right. They have to make sure it has adequate funds in it. And they are then the ones, in essence, responsible for caring for that individual. With the shift over to the 401k, now the individual in person has to choose mm-hmm. how their money is invested, how much they put in there, right. when they take it out, how they take it out. And it, it's shifted that, that responsibility from the company to the individual, which a lot of people would say, that's great. You mm-hmm. know, I, I want to be in charge of my own future, and my own retirement. But it's also put in the hands of folks who um, maybe are not making the the hard choices early on well, to again, put money in these plans. That's where the gap is coming now because we see these um, estimates of how much is set aside in retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. And the estimates are all over the place. But the bottom line is for those people that are savers, they've put a lot of money away. Yeah. They've got almost $15 trillion in these accounts. Is is there like a sort of rule of thumb for those who say maybe they're younger in their career, retirement seems like a long time away? What's just kind of a, a rule that they could go by in terms of how much of their paycheck to be contributing to their retirement? Well, again, Mike, my comments have always been, you know, 10% is a, is a guide. Uh, so if you could save 10% of your gross income that you make into a retirement account and set that aside, that would be all the statistics show that you'll have more than enough money 
if you are prudent and you don't mess with it. You mm-hmm. just continue to make contributions. It's getting people in this day and age, it's getting people to do that because, you know, it takes both husband and wife to work. You start having children, the obligations of a mortgage starting out in life. They're hard, it's hard to get that amount of money. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so people, even when their income becomes more in relationship to their debt and their obligations, they don't start saving early enough. They save too late. Yeah. So yeah. But that's the on track aspect and 10 to 15% is usually what I tell people that if you're in your thirties and you're putting in 10 to 15%, you're on track. And often mm-hmm. that includes um, some sort of employer match or contribution mm-hmm. or something. Right. If you're putting in 10% yourself and your employer is putting in 3%, well, now you're at 13% and you're generally on track. But as people get into their 30s, 40s, they start reaching their 50s, it's kind of when the rubber hits the road a bit. And if mm-hmm. their lifestyle you know, is significantly larger or their expenses are, are larger, um, right. that 10% may not be enough. If, mm-hmm. if they're expecting their ex- expenses to really slow down, that 10% they've been putting in, that might have grown to a really wonderful sum. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of it, it's unique for every person of uh, what what they have and what they need. One of the stats I read was that the average person who has a 401k and is approaching retirement has 86,000 in that account. And by like, the time they reach retirement. At retirement age. And and that that's a hard number, right? Because you're grabbing everybody at all different levels of things. Mm-hmm. But if you think of retiring and having 86,000, that's all you have in the world, if that were the case, that very next year, I mean, a lot of people are spending between 40 and $100,000 a year right. in expenses. So social security will make up some part of that because most of those people will have social security. And depending upon, you know, of course, we talk with our clients, depending upon when they retire and when do they start Social Security, that benefit can change dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stats don't, I mean, this is where you have to kind of look at the numbers. The people that save, the people that actually put money away and then are good savers, they actually get over about $300,000. Yeah. Now, again, that stat takes into those, all the people that are eligible right. for 401k. Right. And the problem is, is about half the people, not quite half, but about half of the people don't contribute at all. Mm-hmm. And that is really the sad part of it, is that these people yeah. that are at the lower end of the economic scale need to be saving. And that's where mm-hmm. I feel, I'm not sure if, if the employer is supposed to be providing us assistance, more assistance than what they are, but it, it is a problem going forward. Mm-hmm. No question about mm-hmm. it. I think for those who are looking at benefits or looking at changing jobs, I think maybe retirement is a huge benefit that isn't often considered top of the list, but those companies where there's an employer match, the employer is providing some added benefit to the employee. That's a, that's a big deal. It is. It's really a long-term benefit. But it, I, I can echo the frustration of a lot of our clients that are employers mm-hmm. yeah. and they'll do this, um, try different ways to get incentive to get their employees to save into a 401k. Mm-hmm. Many people I talk to, they feel like they should be supporting and providing some kind of advocacy for their employees to save. Mm-hmm. And they get frustrated because their employees will not participate. Mm-hmm. I've had mm-hmm. countless meetings with groups of employees where there's a match by the employer. And if, if you just do this, it's a hundred percent match up to a certain dollar amount and the employees don't do it. And it's frustrating mm-hmm. because you're looking at them going, this is not, this is less than a, uh, a meal a week outside, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. going out, like going to a, you know, a drive-in or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's frustrating because people just don't see the need. They're in their 20s or 30s mm-hmm. and, and they don't see retirement at it's all. It's not the immediate gratification. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, I think it takes a certain mature person to understand the 
the benefit of saving for later. So, but just to draw us back a little bit. Okay. So we've talked about the, the reason why social security came about when it came about, we've got something like a pension and you've got a 401k. Now we've got people with all sorts of 40 something, 403s, <laughs> 403bs, 401as. For, there's so many different, what we call qualified retirement accounts. And for someone, we have many clients approaching retirement. It gets really confusing when, you, when you're going to not have a paycheck anymore. How do you start to earn income? What if I don't have a paycheck every month? What, it, what, what do you say to clients like it, that? Well, it creates a lot of anxiety because as soon as you get your last paycheck, they realize we've cut the umbilical cord. Yeah. And now you have to live off of what you've accumulated on your own. And that's, for some people, that's a frightening point in time, right? Very yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah. And I big think the, change. I think the key reason that it's frightening and concerning is because it's an unknown. Right. You know, it's this big black box. Of, is this going to be enough? How long will it last? And I mean, the joy of what I think we get to do is engage with those folks and, and putting things on paper, visual, uh, we use screens on paper, but you know, but showing them this is what your future looks like and taking out that ambiguity right. and that unknown. Because um, to say someone says, I have 600000 in an account, um, I've saved it, I've, it's grown, is this enough? Well, that's a hard question on the, on the generic, you know, mm-hmm. but when you look at someone's specific life, we look at, you know, do you still have a mortgage? What does it cost to run your household? Um, who are you supporting in your life? And then what that account could produce as far as income, we start you know, adding it all together and come to a point where we say, oh, this is plenty for you. Mm-hmm. Or you might come to someone else and say, oh, this isn't nearly enough. Mm-hmm. And it's very specific to the person. But at the end of a, a good financial planning session, you know, someone can walk away from that knowing the amount that I have, this is what it's going to look like for my future. Mm-hmm. And for some clients that they're excited, they say, great. And they mm-hmm. walk out with peace. Others that say they, they walk out with purpose mm-hmm. and they say, I know what I need to do differently mm-hmm. so that I can get to where I want to be. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say a common scenario that we look at, and I think this is where having uh, software, software like what we provide is really helpful where we can look at a few variables. But one question that often comes up is when do I start taking Social Security? And we can actually look at the differences between taking Social Security benefit early or at the maximum benefit age and what that looks like over the long term. And what's difficult is oftentimes the answer is that they should, the client should wait to take the Social Security benefit, which means in the meantime, there might be a season of withdrawing from some of their other accounts. So if I, if, if I have Social Security benefit and I can take it, let's say, it, it's by my full retirement age, which mm-hmm. is 66 and some months, mm-hmm. why should I wait till I'm 70? Well, if you wait, great question. <laughs> um, they add an average about 8% benefit every single year until the age of 70, which is what they would call the maximum benefit date. So you can wait all the way until the age of 70 to start taking Social Security and you'd get the highest benefit set from then and into the future. Yeah. And Social Security, and going back on that point, but Social Security is also typically a husband and wife. Mm. So most people don't realize. I'm always surprised at the number of appointments I've had where I sit down and I say, okay, this is much. And oftentimes it's the husband, it's the, it's the man. And this is your Social Security. But I said, this is the amount that goes to your wife at her age. And they look at me, she said, and, and they both look at me like, surprise. Well, what, what do you mean? I, I have my own Social Security, but I don't have any Social Security. But there's spousal benefits Benefit. built into Social Security system mm-hmm. for those people that have been married for at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised the number of, in this case, in most cases, the, the wife 
doesn't realize that benefit. And mm-hmm. we structure Social Security, our counseling and our advisory services that we provide is when do you take Social Security? And not only just for you, but also for your spouse, right? Yes, yes. Right. Great point. Great. Yeah. And we have a whole episode actually dedicated to Social Security because there's so many rules. There's a lot of benefits that people don't know about. There's people that really specialize just in social security benefits, but we sit down and that's another uh, podcast for another day, but we sit down and go through the details of social security. It's complex. It's not, it's not straightforward, right? But for those, to your point earlier, for those who haven't stayed with the same employer for their whole career, they might have multiple qualified retirement accounts, maybe together with a pension and social security. You know, there's, there's a lot of different sources of income and you want to have the benefit of sort of a quarterback that sits down and looks at the the most advantageous means of drawing income in retirement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for some people, the first step whenever we engage with new client is organizing. Mm-hmm. You're organizing the various accounts. Often we're, we're consolidating, combining accounts that can be combined mm-hmm. to kind of simplify um, the, the, the financial picture. So mm-hmm. they know where their assets are, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And for some clients, they already have a good sense of that. Uh, for other clients, that's a huge value is that they, like you said, they might have kind of 401ks in the wind. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I've worked for a number of years. I've been contributing to all my different jobs, but right. I, I don't know exactly where they are. I don't know what each one of them is doing. And so it's usually a, a process of identifying and enrolling all those into whatever kind of com- combined accounts make sense for that person. They're making sure all those assets are, are mm-hmm. marching to the beat of the same drum. They're all mm-hmm. trying to build a life that they're excited about. Because really the next things that we typically talk about would be investment, the investment strategy, which might shift as you get closer and closer to retirement and taxes. That's right. Um, so hopefully when you, you start earning less income, you don't have to pay as many taxes. <laughs> so that's, well, a, again, that's a good thing. Yeah, again, a lot of the lot of the conversation, and we're not going to get into this particular uh, series about Roth conversions and that sort of thing. But again, I always come back is that tax brackets move. All this mm-hmm. stuff is always very fluid. So you got to be really careful about locking in into a permanent plan Mm -hmm. for something that's going to happen 10, 20 years down the road. None of us know what's going to happen that far out, but you have to have enough flexibility in your plan to be able to meet your needs at the moment and also in the future. Right. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. that comment about flexibility is so valuable at any age. Um, I was meeting with a group of of younger working professionals and made the comment that the more you can save now, even though it feels difficult, the more flexibility you have later, you know, getting to Mm -hmm. age 50, and seeing this wonderful opportunity uh, to take a job that you've always loved and you've worked yourself into having that skill set, but saying, oh, I have to take a slight pay cut. I can't. Mm-hmm. Versus saying, I've really saved for my retirement. Now's the moment. Yeah, I, I can take this dream job mm-hmm. knowing that I might take a pay cut, but I, I'm fine. My future is already, it's that freedom you build into. Mm-hmm. Um, one piece I want to make sure we talk about a little bit is that, that vision a- aspect of it. And kind of going back to your mm-hmm. comment, this third act, because a lot of this, it's not just money for the sake of, I want to have more, I want to have enough. It's saying, where are you headed? Like, what do you want to care about? I think that's a bigger moment for clients. It's important to sit with them and sit in, not just how do we make this happen, but but what are we trying to make happen? You Mm -hmm. said, you know, some people want to travel. I've had some that that don't want to travel. They want to, um, you know, be more homebound and get into hobbies. And um, I think there's a really important moment for someone as they're making the the mental transition from working to retirement to say, what what do I care about now? My, My value is not just in what I'm earning, My value is not just what I'm bringing in, but my value is apart from that. And it's new. Mm -hmm. But then saying, what do I want to take this time I have, this precious years, Mm -hmm. and where do I want to spend them that I'm going to receive value, give value, and and having that vision. And then once we get that vision of what they want to be about, 
then to say, okay, what streams of income can support that? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's mm-hmm. that's great. Um, uh, but when the people don't have a sense of where they want to be, uh, they just say, I just need money. I just need to replace what I had before. Right. That, it's kind that, of fear-based decision-making. Yeah. We want to move our clients beyond that to vision-based. You were going to say something. I else. just say the longevity issue is is so important. And most people that are retiring, let's say my, in my particular age bracket, they still relate back to their parents and their grandparents. Mm. It's a different world out there right now. Mm-hmm. And it's different. I mean, we've had so many breakthroughs from a delivery of medicine and medical mm-hmm. information and dealing with chronic illnesses and also health changes and things like that. People are going to live longer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you add 10 years onto your life, it changes the financial mm-hmm. outcome. Yeah. And so getting back to what do you want to do, I think coming back to where is that amount of financial independence? Mm-hmm. When do you get to the point, no matter what the age is, that you have financial independence and your assets and your income going forward will support you for the rest of your life? And that's our job is to put all those factors, mm-hmm. as many as we know, into that decision process. And I love one of my favorite parts is when we move, oftentimes clients will come in with with some fears or worries or anxiety or just questions um, and Ideally, through the process, we can move them towards a position of confidence. Okay, I'm going to have enough to provide for myself in various scenarios as I come through retirement. Now, there's there's a third phase of this, which is they get to start to envision what to do with any assets left over Mm -hmm. um, or in retirement. So we get to talk about planned giving. Uh, We get to talk about how they want to support their community. A lot of our clients want to preserve their wealth for the next generation. And it's kind of becomes this clandestine mission of how they're going to surprise the next generation with I want to help fund your education. I want to help mm. my grandkids get into their first house. I want X, Y, Z. And that moves into this vision space where it mm-hmm. kind of becomes a little bit playful. Um, hey, I might have enough left over. I've never really thought about what I could do with right. those funds. And right. um, I love getting to the point in the conversation with our clients where we get to be a little a little playful because um, there's opportunity there. Right. And I think, I think it's, it, we give that, like you say, the vision, we help them kind of look at the future with a little bit more clarity so that they can make decisions today to help them achieve their overall yeah. long-term goals. Yeah. Right? Cause, yeah. Cause if you're fearful about your future, you're, you're going to yeah. be hoarding, you're going to be holding tight to things, but right. if you feel confident about the future, you can start right. to. Yeah. On that legacy aspect, you'll meet with the estate planning attorney side. You know, whenever we walk into that, it, there's some structures, you know, that, that mm-hmm. need to be put in place for whatever their vision is. But there's the beauty of that vision to say, mm-hmm. I have enough. I want to be your know, rocket fuel for the next generation. And we've had uh, family meetings. We will have multi-generational folks where they come in, you know, grandparent generation, a parent generation, and then a, I guess a grandchild generation. They'll come in. And as we talk through, a lot of families this wouldn't work for. You mm-hmm. know, but there's some mm-hmm. that we've had that this works really well that we can talk through and say, this is what this generation has. This is what's going to be flowing to you. How do we best be stewards for the whole family? And mm-hmm. there's some, I've been a part of some really dynamic and healthy conversations about intergenerational uh, wealth and assets and how this can be used not just to you know, destroy the work ethic or give them a free mm-hmm. lunch, but to say, how can the next generation take right. what is given them and build on it for mm-hmm. the sake of the whole family line? And it, it's a beautiful line. Those interact, in my mind, together. I, I like mm-hmm. your comment. If you have the confidence in who you are and where you're headed, that you'll have enough. It gives you that freedom to think about the rest of your family and how you can bring mm-hmm. them along with you. Yeah. 
So on this one episode, we have touched on tax planning, investment planning, estate planning, uh, retirement planning. You even talked about being in the employer's perspective about employer, but there's a lot going into planning for retirement, but that's what we love to do is to bring in all of these aspects in a holistic plan for our client and ideally make it simple for them. Simplify it, uh, not make it overwhelming, take out the fear and replace it with confidence. That's really what we're uh, passionate about here at Tricord Advisors. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening uh, to this podcast. Um, again, this is Jeremiah, Randy, and Laura. We uh, record Building Wealthy Habits on a weekly basis. If you ever have any questions uh, that we can answer, please send them to us. You can visit us on our website, tricordadvisors.com. And thank you for listening. Until next week, folks. May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.